A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> Kia ora, everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by Little Ones. Little Ones are a new range of nappies available only at Countdown. These new nappies have a super soft, breathable inner lining to help keep your baby's skin soft and dry. The super absorbent core quickly draws moisture away from the skin so that baby is dry for longer. There's also a really helpful wetness indicator which changes colour when wet, and a fit indicator on the front of the nappy that lets you know when it's time to upsize and helps you centre the nappy on your baby. The nappies have a stretchy waistband which is soft and gentle, as well as elasticated leg cuffs to ensure there is less leakage whilst also allowing your baby to move freely and maximise comfort. Little Ones is available in a wide range of sizes including infant, crawler, toddler, walker and junior. As well as the nappies, check out the Little Ones super absorbent and gentle baby wipes. They are enriched with aloe vera, vitamin E and chamomile extract, perfect for baby's hands, face and bottom. The hypoallergenic formulation is alcohol and soap free with a pH balance. There is a fragrance free and scented option. Little Ones nappies and wipes are big on quality but low on price. Look out for the cute dots on pack next time you're in your local countdown or shop online at countdown.co.nz. A huge thank you to Countdown for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. I have actually tried the Little Ones nappies, so if you want to head to my Instagram, I will talk more about them then. But yeah, huge thank you to Little Ones and Countdown for sponsoring this episode. I really appreciate it. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Renee about the birth of her daughter Georgie. So I have interviewed Renee on the podcast before, and she is episode 17, and we spoke about her daughter Emmy's birth. And yeah, I know that you guys are going to love this story too. So Renee takes us through her pregnancy in which she had some concerns throughout with a bleed and then an abnormal 20-week scan. And then she takes us through, yeah, the falling pregnant stage and everything like that. She talks about why she decided to keep her pregnancy a secret from her social media followers. And I think that was really interesting. So I know that you'll enjoy listening to that. Then she talks us through her birth story, which was another beautiful birth in the water at birth care. So quite similar to her first, but definitely some differences. And then into her postpartum journey. So Renee also takes us through, I guess, how her mental health has been throughout her pregnancy, birth and postpartum period, because she struggled severely with antenatal anxiety and depression the first time around, but she didn't this time. So 
she talks us through why she thinks that might be as well as how she's handling the newborn phase and a bit of a breastfeeding journey chat as well so it's a really jam-packed episode super interesting and I always love talking with Renee so feel free to have heaps more babies Renee and come back on the podcast each time but anyway I hope you guys enjoy the episode and yeah I would love to hear your feedback at the end so if you want to flick me a message or an email or leave a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. I would really appreciate it. All right, let's jump into it. Hi, Renee. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Sure. So there's me. I've got a husband. I've got a nearly two-year-old called Emmy, and we discussed her birth story in episode 17. I think, I hope. Uh, and now I've got a new baby called Georgie. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And we did, we have um, done Emmy's birth story and it's super popular. It still gets lots of messages um, even now. So hopefully if people haven't heard that one, they go and listen to that first. But would you like to tell us a little bit about sort of your journey to falling pregnant this time around and how things um I guess, progressed after Emmy's birth and she's obviously around two now. So how did that all work out? So because uh, I'm a little bit older, um, I'm not old, I'm just <laughs> geriatric on the pregnancy scale. Yeah. Um, so I we sort of wanted to get things um, sort of done and dusted as, as soon as we could. Um, and we were actually aiming for a February, March or April baby because my husband is a farmer uh, and <laughs> that was those are the quote-unquote quiet times for farming. So that's actually where we were aiming and we missed by quite a while. So <laughs> it took a little bit longer than we expected. Like we got pregnant uh, the first, I think it was the first month with Emmy, but it took us about six months with Georgie. Um, so we had a chemical pregnancy in there. So basically I missed a period, took a pregnancy test, uh, it was positive, and then four or so, five days later I got a period, um, which I think is what you class as a chemical pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit mildly disappointing because I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, we're there. Um, you know, put put it in my calendar, my due date. Yeah. Um, and you sort of start calling midwives and that sort of thing because they book out so quickly, especially where yeah. I am. There's not many options for um, rural midwives. But anyway, so then, yeah, and I actually, um, yes, yeah, so I, we, do, we don't have issues. We're very lucky we don't have issues. Um, and then, you know, would have would have potentially meant giving birth in level four if, um, if we'd sort yeah. of got bang on the money and in April so we ended up with an August baby <laughs> yeah awesome and how did you find out that you were pregnant did you have many early symptoms oh uh, so th- I knew it three weeks which is <laughs> a really long time to then yeah. wait to 40 yeah. weeks um so was drinking my morning coffee so at the time I was having keto coffee which has got like refined coconut oil and I have mine with cacao butter and it's usually the favorite part of my day and as soon as I had it I promptly vomed and I was like oh okay okay <laughs> uh 
So took a pregnancy test and it was it was one of those early ones and it was positive. So that was yeah, a full week before my period was actually due. So that was how thick and fast the symptoms came in second time around. Yeah, and was that much different to your first pregnancy? Do you want to take us through sort of how that first trimester might have been in comparison and how you were feeling this time? Uh, the, they were pr- So in terms of the way that I felt physically, they were much of a muchness. Um, yeah. I, my, my nausea was less severe with Georgie than it was with Emmy, um, but it was all day and all night. So mm. it was, I had more nausea for longer periods, but I didn't vomit uh, as much as I did the first time around. Lucky for me, uh, my pregnancy peaked on Christmas Day. <laughs> so that was interesting because obviously, like most people, uh, we spend Christmas Day with our extended family and it was my husband's extended family this year and I was looking very, very, very ill. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was a time. Uh, but yeah, other than – so with my first pregnancy, I had – very severe antenatal depression and anxiety and that actually started in my first trimester yeah so I didn't get that this time um and so the first trimester the second time around was different in terms of I didn't have that anxiety uh, or depression that I experienced the first time around um I did I, I had just as much sort of nausea and tiredness but I just didn't have that overwhelming anxiety that I did the first yeah. time yeah and were you sort of expecting to feel that or or what were your sort of thoughts when it came to your mental health and this pregnancy I was pretty terrified yeah. um very terrified because I knew and I probably interestingly enough I didn't realize probably how bad the first pregnancy was in terms of Mm -hmm. my mental health until I had my second pregnancy um and I almost was like oh okay so this is how this is how it feels for quote like quote unquote normal pregnancy feels and I Mm -hmm. probably um understood how people don't understand antenatal anxiety and depression um because I didn't get it the second time and if I hadn't had it the first time I would have found it quite hard to relate to those overwhelming feelings that I had the first time so I did I did I was expecting it I was waiting for it and I was terrified I'll be honest um but it just didn't come I don't know if that's because I sort of just in that first trimester I didn't think um so HG runs in my family um and so I spent that first trimester terrified I was going to get HG this is my first pregnancy um just worried that today was going to be the day it was going to kick in uh and so then with my second pregnancy I knew that I just if I could just get to 12 weeks those symptoms should ease so I just had my head down and I was just like I'm just counting the days um that was probably that probably helped to keep my mind set in the right place for that first trimester, just knowing that I just had to hang in to 12 weeks. 
Unfortunately, it was it lasted until sixteen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was okay. At least, um, at least I'd sort of had my head in the game for the yeah. for that first trimester. Yeah, yeah. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? How were you feeling? And did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand? What was that like? Yeah, I did do all the testing. So because I'm geriatric, um, those things are sort of top of top of my yeah. list. So we had a dating scan at seven weeks, uh, seven or eight weeks. We had it on the day after Boxing Day, actually, I think, somewhere around there. So that was good. Um, I, I think I was feeling a bit anxious leading up to that. And then I, th- I, I think that's pretty, that sort of, that level of anxiety is pretty standard. Mm. Um, 12-week scan was the same. I was pretty sort of anxious about that. By the time I got to my anatomy scan, uh, we were in full lockdown. New Zealand was in level four, and it was day two or day three of level four lockdown. So mm-hmm. things were pretty intense. Uh, you weren't allowed to take partners to the scan with yeah. you. You had to wait outside. You, you had to um, knock on the door. Someone would come, open the door, stand two meters away from you. You had to walk in, sanitize your hands. You weren't allowed to touch anything or talk to anyone, and then you had to sanitize your hands again before you went in for your scan. Uh, the lady doing the scan was obviously wearing a mask and um, sanitizing all the surfaces before I got in and when I left again. And because uh, it was all quite new at the time, uh, she <laughs> she didn't really make any secret of the fact that she absolutely did not want to be um, at work. Yeah. Um, which was, which was fine. Um, uh, and I guess this, you know, scans were probably the time when I do feel really anxious and I, and I was really anxious. And then, uh, she was using words and, and I know this is, this is just sort of how it happens sometimes. So there was some abnormalities in the baby's growth, um, and they weren't sure if they were genuine abnormalities in her growth or just because the scan is rushed. So it's usually a 30-minute appointment, but during lockdown it was a 15-minute appointment. Right. So there was some issues with uh, her abdomen and there was some, I, I use the word issues lightly, but um, and also with her heart. So um, by issues she just was she wasn't convinced that she could give them the tick that she needed to give them mm-hmm. or that the, I know the process is that they go to somebody else at the hospital and they get ticked off. So there was that. And then there was a bit of a schmozzle because she told me I needed to book within two weeks and the radiography place followed me up to book within two weeks. And then literally the morning of my scan, my follow-up scan, they called to say to me, oh, it's hasn't been long enough since your last scan. <laughs> And they're using words which to which to a pregnant woman are just terrible words. That so they're saying like you know because there's growth concerns and because mm. there's abnormalities, yeah. um, and they're using all these sort of words that send you into a little bit of a tailspin, uh, especially because you have to go on your own. Uh, so went back in uh, on my own again. Went through, <laughs> went through the whole process, stand at the door, stand two meters away because we were still level four, uh, and. Went back through and she said to me um, that she still couldn't get the images. So she said, I'm going to have to refer you to fetal blood up at the hospital. So that was all a little bit um, sort of 
you know, stressful, mm. but then whoever the reports get, whoever the images get sent to, they were satisfied that everything was fine. So I, so I didn't have to go through with that, but it's just, I guess, that whole, once again, to use the word, but that whole anxiety around thinking that things aren't okay mm. and aren't going to be okay. You've sort of got to rock in there with your, with your gloves and your mask on on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that sort of play into your anxiety, I guess, personally? So I can only imagine how that would make you feel. So is there anything that you were doing that were sort of helping you manage to get through to the next scan? And yeah, how were you feeling? Oh, I just, oh, actually, I've, I've missed, I've missed a bit. I've missed a bit. So <laughs> Go for I, it. Had a, um, I had a bleed at 12 weeks, um, quite a large mm. bleed. Yeah. Um, so I'd been bleeding for, I'd been, well, I'd been spotting for about a week to two weeks and then literally at 12 weeks I had quite a substantial bleed um, and that was on a Friday night and I had to wait until my midwife was, was off that weekend and then I actually had my 12-week scan on the Monday. So that sort of thing was still playing in the back of my mind as well mm. because the, the bleed was unexplained. Um, so did, I did go to my 12-week scan expecting there to it to not be a happy experience. Um, yep. And then it was. So when I got to my 12-week scan and then, sorry, my 20-week anatomy scan and they were using words like abnormality and irregularity and concerns, uh, it was pretty stressful. But I just had mm-hmm. to, um, I think, well, what saved me was the fact that I was at home with a toddler and level four so you know all of New Zealand can can relate to what it was like to sort of being at home and because my husband worked seven days so there wasn't I kind of want to say and it sounds so cliche but there wasn't really enough time to dwell yeah, on it yeah yeah uh, and I just had to be I just had to sort of hope that it was going to one way or the other it was going to work out yeah uh, yeah no that makes sense which sounds yeah simple and cliche but it's sort of my only option <laughs> yeah yeah no fair enough and throughout your pregnancy I know you had a beautiful water birth last time so did you do any antenatal or birthing classes this time around before labor no I didn't I didn't do antenatal classes and I think to be honest that had a huge impact on my anxiety um, yeah. was not doing the antenatal classes because I'd already done it so I already had sort of one run under my belt so I knew how it could be done yeah uh, as opposed to uh, and, and I guess it's just the way that it works but I sort of felt like you know my midwife at the time for my first pregnancy and also the antenatal classes I felt like they were very focused on what could go wrong mm. uh, and so because of my mindset at the time I became very focused on what could go wrong rather than going being focused on what could go right and being positive yeah. so that yeah. was because I knew that I could have a positive experience and then I tell you what I think I was 38 weeks or something when someone when your course came up oh yes yeah. like, oh my gosh and then I was like do I start now have I got yeah, time yeah. because I had a feeling I was going to go at about 39 weeks was what I was thinking and so then I was like oh my gosh I want to I want to do this but I don't know if I've got time to do it justice 
So, um, so I didn't do any courses, and I I just listened to to this like the same old sort of um, medit like sleep meditations that I listened to yeah. with um, most of my first pregnancy, and that and that was about it. And just sort of, I think you because you also look back on your birth with rose tinted glasses. I sort of was remembering this amazing empowered experience <laughs> that I had the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I can assure you that I that was not how I was feeling the second time. But yeah, that was I think I sort of yeah, just made it out to be this incredible, empowering and it and it, and it is, it is, but I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think I I think my I think I definitely blocked out a few bits in my yeah. recollection. Yeah, fair enough. And I know that um, you did an awesome job of keeping your pregnancy a secret from social media. And I can only imagine that some of your followers were like absolutely shocked. I know I was when um, I saw you post that video. So do you want to take us through sort of deciding to keep it a secret? And, and was that intentional um, not to announce it on social media? Yeah, it was intentional. But it kind of wasn't, and that sounds that I don't mean that to sound coy. But so, so you know, I was really sick over Christmas time, uh, and then you know, generally the time that you would announce it would be twelve weeks, uh, and I was just sort of hyper aware that that sort of stuff can be so triggering for women that mm -hmm. are struggling with infertility or trying to conceive, or women that have recently lost a pregnancy. And I sort of try really hard to keep my space trigger free. I try. I'm not, you know, I don't always nail it. But that was one thing that I was considering. Uh, the other thing, you know, so it's Christmas. And I know that's a really hard time for people that are trying to conceive or struggling with, with baby loss or miscarriage. And then Australia was on fire, uh, you know. And there was all these people <laughs> that had lost their homes and all these millions yeah. and millions of animals. Yeah died and that would sort of have been the time that I'd be like oh yeah guess what I'm having another baby uh, and then I had the bleed which was sort of quite stressful um, and I sort of thought oh my gosh you know imagine not not that there's anything wrong at all with sharing uh, that sort of a journey but that wouldn't be how what I would like to do personally um, yeah I sort of like to process things things my um you know in my own time in my own way so I was just and I was just so I just felt really aware of everything that was going on and then because then of course there was a global pandemic so that's I just didn't <laughs> feel like that was overly sensitive time to be saying oh happy news for us <laughs> um, with yeah. another baby yeah. um, and then yeah it just never felt like the right time and then I also was really conscious that I just kind of didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, when Georgia was born, there was a lot, I got a lot of lovely, lovely messages. But everybody, not everybody, that's not fair, but a lot of people wanted to talk about my antenatal depression and anxiety. Yeah. Which I'm more than happy to talk about, but I was just sort of conscious that going, that if I announced it, there would be a lot of questions about how I was feeling yeah and I just yeah. I needed to have my head in the game um and so I was like oh, I just need to have my head in the game and I don't know if I can have my head in the game and share this with thousands of people yeah. at the same time awesome and did you have much of a birth plan or sort of thoughts on how you wanted this birth to go um I guess how did Emmy's birth play into any thoughts that you might have had there 
so best case scenario for me was the same. I, I wanted to yeah. have the same experience uh, as I did with Emmy. Well, a very similar experience as I did with my first labour. Uh, one thing that I wanted to sort of... So because I was in that transitional phase of labour for so long with Emmy, I think it was something ridiculous, like seven or eight hours. Uh, and then it was some IV fluids and anti-nausea that got me over the line in the end. So I wanted my, you know, I wanted to make sure I got that a lot earlier this time. Uh, I mm. also felt quite nervous that I wasn't going to get to the birth centre on time. I don't know <laughs> why I felt like that. I was just, so my husband who never leaves the farm in the week before Georgie was born, all of a sudden was taking these trips to Auckland. So he unfortunately had a funeral and then he had a couple of other things he needed to do in Auckland, which is about like in heavy traffic, it's, you know, it's, you're looking at sort of four ish hours from the farm. Mm. And I just felt quite nervous. Like, Oh my gosh, he's not going to, if I go into labor, how's he going to get back to me in time? to then get me to the birth centre. What am I going to do with the two-year-old? That sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, in terms of birth plan, I was just – I just hoped it could sort of run as smoothly as the first time. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And did you do anything, I guess, in preparation for birth? So I know there's millions of things that Google will tell you can do, but um, any antenatal expressing or perennial massage or anything like that? I tried really hard to express – I did. Yeah. And I, um, because I, because my nips just had such a hard time the first time and I knew and mm. I just had wished I had some express colostrum on hand. So I tried really hard to express colostrum and it just didn't happen. So yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, but I was, I didn't drink raspberry tea this time, but I took the raspberry leaf extract capsules. Uh, yeah. I did evening primrose oil. Uh, up and down so really got that got, got that in there and I took 5w this time uh, okay which so from the I think it's I think it's like from 38 weeks so they recommend you take that so I did yeah that, but that was I didn't do perennial massage but everything yeah. else I tried to I tried to give it a nudge yeah cool and do you want to take us through your labor starting was it spontaneous and how far along were you so I so I was by my calculation I was thirty nine weeks and four days maybe, but by the by the last missed period calculation I was thirty nine weeks and one day I think or thirty nine weeks exactly somewhere around there. Yeah. And so I just it was pretty similar to my first labour to be honest. So woke up with with a contraction that woke me up, stood up. Um, I know that the correct term is my waters broke, but they like it didn't feel like a water break. It just felt like a little mm. bit of a leak. Um, and so that happened, and I was like, oh, okay, right out. So that was at about five thirty in the morning. I woke up and I was like, okay, here we go. So got the old contraction timer downloaded and just sort of walked around in the lounge dining area and just did my thing. So I think. I think I was, they were 30 seconds long and six minutes apart from the get-go, six or seven minutes apart, and then 
about an hour and I was like, oh, this is um, this is sort of kicking up a gear now. So I text my mum to get her to come in and have watch Emmy while we went. And then I was like, oh, and then it sort of really, so by the time we left for the birth centre, which it must have been, gosh, it must have been quarter past eight, I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty intense. Uh, do, do you want me to keep going, telling, telling you? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then um, it's, a, it's about a 30-minute drive from our house to the birth centre, and I, look, I, I, wasn't in, I wasn't in a happy place. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be honest. And I, it's really interesting because retrospectively, it's it's different. But at the time, and this and this is such an interesting, I guess, lesson in mindset because all I could think of was I knew that with Emmy, I was twelve hours away from having her at that time of the morning, give or take. So I was all I could think of was this is really intense and how am I going to get through this for the next 12 hours? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get through this for the next 12 hours. Whereas in reality, she was literally 10 contractions away. So if someone had, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, you've only got 10 more, can you breathe through 10 more? You'd say, yeah, yeah, I can. I've got this. But it's it's the mindset of like, oh, I've got 12 more hours to go. Um, how am I going to get through this? And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so by the time we got to the birth center, I was in that place where you just want to go home. Like today's not yeah. a good day for me. Uh, I'll come <laughs> back. So I think I think I had something something insane, like three contractions between p- the getting to the car park and walking into the birth center. And when I got there, so my midwife was actually away and I had her practice partner there. And I said to her, I'm at the I'm at the point where I'm thinking I can't do this. So I think that means I'm pretty close. Uh, and she was super calm. <laughs> she was super calm. Got in, got into the room and it was it felt like about two hundred degrees in there. <laughs> because and I was just like, Oh my gosh. But so we got the we got the bath run. And I was not bath the pool, got the birth pool one, and I got into that, and that was the first time since about six thirty that I, it, like, I sort of just felt the tension go from my body, and then I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this from here, and I sort of was saying to the midwife, oh, um, you know, I feel like I, I sort of feel like I need to push, and how do I know when I need to push? And then I was like, oh, you know, I've got that feeling like I need to poo. And then she's like, oh, if you need to poo, get up and have a poo. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I want to get up and have a poo. Like, <laughs> I think it's a baby. Um, and then there was, I had, I think I had one more contraction. I looked at the clock and it was quarter past nine. I think I got into the pool at nine and I looked at the clock and it was quarter past nine. I thought, oh my gosh, this baby's going to be here by 9.30. And then I had another contraction and... And the, the midwife was so calm, and I and that's when I started to panic because I could I could just she was kicking off the inside. I could she'd kick off. It was the most bizarre thing, and then I could feel her head like there moving yeah. out, and I was just like a whoa 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 like someone needs to help me. And the midwife was just like, 
I just in the end, I grabbed her arms. I was in the pool. She was on the other side of the pool, and I grabbed her arms, and I said, I really need you to help me. And she was like, oh, okay. Okay, and she said to me afterwards, she was like, you're way too calm to be that close to having a baby. Uh, so she had a quick look. She got the old got the old head head torch out and got the old mirror out, and she was like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, yep, there's a head there. And I was like, oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> um, so one more contraction, and the head came out. And next contraction, and she she was there. She was there yeah. in the pool. Uh, so it wasn't quite as um, I know with Emmy, you know, obviously retrospectively everything's so different, but with Emmy we got to do delayed cord clamping. We were in the pool for ages. I sort of just birthed the placenta into the into the birth pool, and we were in the pool for quite a while, really. Um, with Georgie, I had a, I had a bleed. Uh, so, um, I don't know, there's all these different, um, sort of measurements they use, but basically judging from the color of the water, she was like, I need you out of the pool now. Um, Mm. but she she was very calm about it. We just need you to just step out of the pool. (laughs) She's asking my husband to buzz the midwife at the birth center very calmly. She's like, could you just, could you just call Karen and just pick up the phone, press the green button and Karen will come. And Karen came. Karen was lovely. I got the old shot in the leg, uh, which which helped, and then the um the fundal massage, the fu- and everybody was quite calm, but um like just like just panicked enough, <laughs> you know that you were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how good this is, but yeah, so we got there, we got there, um, but we didn't obviously quite get the whole, you know, rel- and then because I really wanted, I didn't I didn't have any photos really of my first time, so I wanted photos and there was no time for photos and there was no lolling about in the spa with with the yeah. newborn baby yeah. um that was sort of pretty pretty quick on the bed so we, we missed that but but that's okay so that was probably um in terms of comparing the two the I feel like the intensity of the second one was was pretty through the roof there was no sort of easing into it yeah um she was she was pretty hot and heavy. <laughs> yeah, and so once you sort of had your bleeding under control, was she up on your chest and did they try to latch her on and, and what was that like? Oh, she was, yeah, she was up on my chest and she, oh, um, I still didn't know what I'd had. I still yeah. didn't know if I'd had a boy or a girl um, because we, she'd sort of been whisked, we'd been whisked out of the pool so quickly. Um, so, yeah, she was up on my chest and then, we didn't. We didn't do. I don't think they tried to latch her until the bleeding was under control. Um, yeah. So I was holding her while they were sort of getting that all sorted and and getting that placenta sorted and that sort of stuff. And then um, my poor husband had to leave the room, which was then exactly when my birth partner. So I have a husband and a birth partner, and that was where my birth partner arrived, um, just in time for my husband to be leaving. So. Hannah turned up, uh, unfortunately she missed the birth that she was pretty upset about, but I told her it would, you know, it was okay. So she, she was there and she was sort of, um, she helped me out with, because of course I was a bit, was a bit of a mess uh, and she helped wipe me down and whatnot, which was lovely. That's why it's really handy to have, have a nurse in there (laughs) with you. Um, But yeah, just, just standard. She had a, she had a vitamin K jab. 
and and got on the boob, which was which was the start of our breastfeeding journey. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And how long did you end up staying in the birth center for? Oh, we only lasted a night. <laughs> yeah. So, so because we're like the country mice, we <laughs> we're not we're not used to noise. I you know I grew up in town, but now that we live in the middle of nowhere, it's silent yeah. at night time. Yeah. So it was very it was very noisy. It was because um it's actually the birth center in Te Aumutu is actually in a very large car park, and it was Friday night, so it was like skid night in the car park. So that was our first issue, and then bless her heart, there was a mum. I don't know how many rooms down the hall she was, but her baby screamed all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Bless her heart. And then, I mean, my baby was not much better, I'll be honest. But the mid- we had a very, very, very attentive midwife on that night who just who popped in every 45 minutes or so. Uh, and so I had to send my husband home at 2.30 in the morning because he's no good with no sleep. So I said, oh, look, I, I think you should probably go home and have a bit of a nap and I'll, and I'll stay here. So I did. We, but then the next morning we... We sort of we checked out, yeah. checked out of the motel, and we went home. Yeah, awesome. And what was that experience like taking Georgie home? And was Emmy there when you arrived? And how did that um, meeting go? Oh, so Emmy came to the birth center. Yeah, uh, to meet Georgie, and then she came home with us from there because she'd been with my parents. Nice. Uh, and she she was she was pretty agnostic. Um. She, you know, she thought I was a baby, is what she <laughs> said. And then um, that was sort of about it. So, because she goes to daycare, she sees babies, obviously not quite Georgie's size, but babies at daycare, and she quite likes them. Um, but, yeah, she she was, she's pretty pretty relaxed when it comes to that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. And then we went home, and I guess it was, it was just, I don't know, it all feels a little bit surreal, doesn't it? You sort of yeah. you left yesterday morning. And you didn't have a baby, and yeah. you got a baby, and you're at home. I think it's I think it's definitely different the second time because you're a little bit like, oh, here we go, um, <laughs> than it is the first time. And then, and again, because you can't sort of just sit around and loll about because you've you've got a high energy toddler. So yeah, yeah. That's probably the main the main difference there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I know one of the questions that came through from your followers on Instagram was, did you or do you plan to breastfeed? So do you want to take us through those first few days and then what your journey's been like since then? Oh, sure, sure. So deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> not, I mean, not not quite. So uh, Georgie is tongue-tied, like Emmy was. Uh, the, and mine... Um, she pretty much obliterated my nipples in the first 12 hours, yeah. like Emmy did. Uh, and she cried a lot more uh, in the first like couple of weeks than Emmy because um, Emmy didn't really make any noise for the first 10 days. But in terms of breastfeeding, uh, so I still wear shields. So we're nearly three weeks in now, and I still wear shields for every feed. That's the only way I can get her on. Yeah. Um, I have I have an oversupply issue, which is um, 
you know, obviously the opposite to an undersupply issue, but it comes with its own sort of set of set of difficulties as well, especially when they're that teeny tiny phase and they, you know, they only need 20 mils and, the, you know, your boobs sort of giving them 100 just without them even knowing <laughs> sort of yeah. thing. Um, so we had so we had those sort of issues and so then I started, uh, I, got a, I got a pump. Um, I had a pump anyway, but I gifted that to my younger sister and so I bought a new pump and I started pumping pretty much straight away, which is, please don't take take anything that I did as what you should do. This is just what I did. Um, I started pumping straight away and got Georgie onto bottles. So I got some Dr. Brown anti-colic bottles because we had so many issues with colic with Emmy. Uh, and so I started expressing, yeah, pretty much straight away and bottle feeding her expressed milk yeah. just to try and um, just to try and help her with the flow and help her with getting, you know, just what she needed rather than everything that my boobs could give her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that worked that worked pretty well. So when we when we sort of were really strict about that and started doing that from, you know, from her late afternoon feeds onwards, we had a much more settled time than not. Yeah. So yeah, so in terms they're just they're just different. So I still have a lot of pain. Um, it's still very painful for me to breastfeed, but I don't have because of the shields. I don't have the nipple damage. Yeah. So with Emmy, I was dealing with the pain of nipple damage as well as the pain of the vasospasm from the Raynards. But I don't have the nipple pain this time. I just have the vasospasm, so yeah. it's sort of easier to work with, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't. I also don't have the weight loss issues that I had with Emmy, with Georgie, um, because yeah. So she's so she can manage to get in what she needs to get in, uh, and also my husband is home. So my husband is home to help with things like getting me a drink or yeah. getting me something to eat. And I I didn't have that the first time mm-hmm. around, so I just couldn't keep my I couldn't keep my fluids up and I couldn't keep my food intake up enough and it was all a bit too sort of difficult at the time yeah, so yeah. I mean we're three weeks in which feels <laughs> feels like a really long time yeah when you've got incredibly painful breasts but isn't isn't a very long time in the scheme of things but we're just we're just going to keep going for sort of as long as we can yeah um you know it would be it would be nice but it's not something um, because, you know, Emmy's done so well on formula. I, you know, it's not something that I'll flog myself to death yeah, over, yeah, yeah. but it is something that I, that for as long as it is um, something that I can do, I will do it. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And what about your sort of emotional recovery from birth this time? So did you experience any of the post-baby blues and how's your sort of mental health been since having Georgie? Uh, so it's been okay. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not amazing. Yeah. I would say, um, I, I struggle with the newborn phase. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I struggle even more with admitting that. Like I'm happy to admit that to my circle of friends. Sure, and yeah. My, sort yeah. of my close people, but it's, it, it's a very difficult thing to openly admit to other people that I 
struggle with the newborn phase. Yeah. Uh, only because I sort of overanalyze and I think of all the people out there who would just give anything to have mm. a newborn. Yeah. And you, you sort of feel like you're quite ungrateful. But I, it's just a hard time for me. And it's and it, I think it comes down to, you know, like most people, the sleep deprivation. Yeah. For me, the, the pain, um, the breastfeeding pain, as opposed to the sort of other pain that some women have. And, and for me, to be honest, it's, it's the crying. Mm. So um, Emmy had quite bad colic and she would cry from about 4 p.m. until 8 p.m. every day. And Georgie has, has had a bit of that, but her crying time is in the middle of the night. Mm. So she will cry anywhere from 9 p.m. until 1 a.m. Mm. or sometimes she starts a bit later and yeah. she starts at 11 yeah. She's going through until three in the morning, so it's it's a really hard time yeah. in the middle of the night uh, with a crying baby to stay sort of positive yeah. and optimistic, yeah. and you know to to keep. So that so what's really helping is that my so because I have the luxury of of having this great breast pump and I can express milk, and I have the you know I'm privileged to have to not have an undersupply issue. I can express enough breast milk that my husband can do a night yeah. shift, which is really, really helpful. I didn't, we didn't have that option the first time around because he was working such long hours in a tractor, so I didn't want him to be up mm. at night because I was concerned about how sleep deprivation would affect him operating heavy machinery. Um, it's, it's such an interesting time. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, everybody, everybody has their different, different struggles. Uh, and so, yeah, for me, it's just, I know that from six weeks, it starts to get a bit easier. Yeah. Things start to sort of calm down. You sort of get into your groove. And then from, from 12 weeks, at least I found with Emmy anyway, from, from 12 weeks, we were sort of, we were sort of home and yeah. host. Um, and, and by sort of four months, I was, I was almost like even starting to really enjoy, enjoy yeah. it. Um, so I am, I am trying this time to sort of be more in the moment and to be kinder to myself, yeah. I guess is probably the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's so tough, isn't it? That nothing can prepare you. I know everybody says that, but for that sleep deprivation period, I honestly, I don't think I remember the first six weeks of Joy's life. And it's just because I think your brain blocks out that period. Otherwise you probably wouldn't do it again. Right. Like it's just it's exhausting yeah. so yeah. yeah I can I can relate to you absolutely in saying that um yeah you maybe don't enjoy the newborn phase as much I think there's probably lots of people out there in the same boat yeah and it's and it's interesting and I and I oh, I treat this sort of fine line between being open and honest about it on social yeah, media yeah. um and then not wanting to like I say trigger people or upset people yeah. Uh, but but I you know I'm exactly the same as everybody else, and that I'm sitting there feeding a baby, scrolling my yeah, feed, yeah. and seeing other mums with brand new babies looking fresh faced yeah. and bright eyed, and 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 saying how much they love it. And I'm like, what you know? Why does she love yeah. it so much? And I and I'm I'm not loving it yeah, as much. Yeah. Um, so that is it is all part of the head yeah. game. So you sort of got to just step away and. 
and and I and it what does help the second time around is I've done it. Um, I've got a toddler. I know, you know, I can look at her and be like, oh, you know, she turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. She's almost two. She can do some like, you know, she can she can help herself to perky nails <laughs> in the freezer. Like I've taught really well. Yeah. So, you know, like you, there is it's so different because you've got that perspective. There's no perspective yeah. the first yeah. time, uh, and so so I probably am finding it a bit easier because I do have that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And what about your physical recovery? Have you found it much different to your first? Oh, I'm sickeningly lucky and I just and I just recover. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't I just do. So second birth with no grazes, no tears, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. Uh and I I so I did have those there's these things that you don't really think I, I didn't get them the first time but the second time these intense contractions when your uterus goes back in yeah. shape generally when you're breastfeeding I call them aftershocks <laughs> so I had those pretty intensely but other than that I you know I don't bleed for very long I can sort of I don't because I I don't have that recovery in terms of stitches or surgery or anything like that so I'm yeah, I'm really lucky when it comes to physical recovery. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And what about the adjustment from one to two? I mean, I know we've talked about it a bit, but how are you finding? Yeah, being a mum of two, and how has the dynamic in your ch- household changed? Oh, it it hasn't really. So yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm Emmy's fourth favorite person. So <laughs> my favorite person is probably my husband's dad. Yeah. So that's her AJ. So he lives up the driveway from us and he's at our house every night that he's on farm. He comes to our house. So she sees him pretty much every day. Uh, then it would be her dad is her second favorite. And then my <laughs> mum is her third favorite. So because yeah. none of them have had a baby, she's she's pretty happy. So she's still yeah. got all the babes. <laughs> she's still got her top three. She's pretty okay with it. She, um, she's quite funny. She's learned. I don't know if this is a weird social conditioning thing there, but she's learned that she should be really excited every time she sees Georgie. So she goes, "Ah, oh, Georgie. Um, uh. But then she she doesn't really have much interest. So she's getting yeah. really good at faking it already. I don't know where she gets yeah. that from, but she's, she <laughs> pretends to be really into yeah. having a sister. Um, but other than that, to be honest, for me, going from one to two so far, I'm only three weeks in, has been easier than going from none to one. Yeah. Uh, none to one, it, it really put me on my bottom, of, you know, mm. retrospectively. Uh, and now I sort of, oh, this is going to sound really depressing, but now I sort of feel like I've already lost so much of who I was before I had kids. Yeah, yeah. That the sh- oh, I can the relate. Shock, yeah. The shock is, oh, and it, you know, it sounds like I don't, like the whole martyr mindset um, of motherhood, but you know who I didn't realize that so much of who I was was wrapped up in non-child related things. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. drinking, drinking expensive cocktails and beautifully appointed bars. You know that's yeah. that's the that's the part of me that I'm like, oh, this is this is where I am. Yeah. Uh, so. Because you know, I've left the corporate world. I don't, you know, I work from home. 
so there's no sort of office dynamic to miss. You know, I, I worked in an office for most of my pregnancy with Emmy, so there was that, you know, yeah. the missing of that socialisation. You know, I, I tried really hard to sit to see my friends before, and that hasn't really happened for the last two years. And then I guess also, you know, the whole lockdown thing prepared us all for being a bit more antisocial. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there were seven weeks of, of none of us really being able to see our friends and family. So I, um, the, yeah, the one to two thing is just nowhere near as hard as, as none to one for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And have you sort of gone back to, um, or did you ever stop uh, sort of managing your business? And do you want to take us through your journey back into that? Oh, so <laughs> I said I would stop. Uh, I said I would stop and I, I, my words were, I'm going to take my foot off the gas this time. <laughs> um, but I'm not good at taking my foot off the gas. And it's not because... Yep. Um, I'm not, I, I try to be really conscious of not glorifying the hustle or glorifying busy because I, I don't think that's that's healthy or that's what it's about. It's about, that's the, that's the part of me that grounds me. Mm. Um, so the, the woman that's floundering at two in the morning feeling overwhelmed and stressed and anxious because she can't calm her baby down and she's not sure if it's because she needs more milk or she's already had too much, she... Um, She's grounded by the woman who goes to the office the next day, does some work, ticks, you know, I can only tick one or two things off my to-do list at a time, but then at least I go home with a feeling of accomplishment um, and fulfillment. Yeah. So it's not for everybody and it's not not something that I would would recommend if, if it's what makes somebody feel overwhelmed or out of control. But for me, it's it's what makes me gives me a little bit of control back, yeah. Um, and and just helps me, I guess, just feel connected with other people. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And is there anything else that you would like to share before we close? Oh, I don't really think so. I think so. One thing I got asked was how, how I managed to have a different experience with my mental health the second time around. Yeah. Um, and oh, unfortunately, I don't really have an answer. I wish that I had an answer for yeah. um, for what I did differently because I didn't do a lot of things differently. One thing that I inadvertently did differently purely because we were in lockdown was I ate better. Um, so that whole, you know, serotonin coming from your gut thing, I think, yeah. uh, eating, eating less takeaways, eating less sort of processed carby foods might have had an impact purely because, not because I didn't want those things, but because well, we didn't have access to them for four weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then for the next three weeks, it was sort of a little bit too hard basket. So that, that might have had an effect. But I think the other thing was just having a midwife, a different midwife was was really good. So we sort of we we just sort of spent most of our appointments shooting the breeze. Really, we didn't yeah. spend those appointments. Sort of, I found that my the first time my midwife sort of was very almost like lectury. So I would get a lecture every time I went there, and our appointments were an hour and a half to two hours long, and I would it was almost like I was being read verbatim from a textbook about. Mm-hmm 
whatever was you know on the schedule for that week whereas the next time we sort of just hung out really and just talked yeah. through whatever rather than it being obviously the difference is it's a second pregnancy I've already done it before um yeah. so that that changes things but there was that and there was also the you know the not going to antenatal class and listing off everything that could possibly go wrong yeah um there was that and I actually because my midwife um does acupuncture so I had I had acupuncture from from four weeks with her so I was really lucky with that so that might have had had a difference made a difference and I think it was just less time to focus because I you know was solo parenting a toddler for seven weeks at the time yeah um and so yeah I think I wish I wish I had I wish I had the answer but I guess what I what I do want people to know is that it's not it you may not necessarily have the same experience the second time. So I was so terrified because I'd struggled so hard the first time that the second time would be the same. And then I yeah. and I managed to for whatever reason not. And I did think that Georgia was going to be a boy because I thought <laughs> oh maybe it's a different hormones. Maybe it's because it's boy hormones, not girl hormones, and that's why I haven't sort of experienced the anxiety and, and the depression but she was a girl so yeah so yeah it's, it, I know I know the the trepidation and the nervousness around getting pregnant again when you've even if you've hit, if you've suffered from postnatal depression mm-hmm. um but sort of thinking that you're going to be suffering from antenatal depression and anxiety you know may it just it may not be the same yeah yeah I think that's um good advice and probably quite comforting to people out there who have experienced mental health um, concerns throughout their pregnancy. So thank you for sharing and thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Renee, and sharing your second birth story with us. I've loved talking to you as always. So yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Renee. I hope you loved it as much as I did recording it. And another huge thank you to Little One Snappies at Countdown for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support. Another reminder, if you can, to go and share a rating or a review on the podcast app that you're listening to. It really supports the podcast and I would be super appreciative. Thanks so much for listening and I will talk to you again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.